Hi, and welcome back to This Week in Voice, Season 4, Episode 5. I'm not in my usual location. We're in the height of conference season. I'm up here in the Big Apple for Hearing Voices, which is a conference that Betaworks is doing. And the show must go on. Thank you to Microsoft for being the sponsor of Season 4 of This Week in Voice. Uh, We appreciate all of their contributions to the voice community in general. Um, They're doing phenomenal work with Cortana, doing phenomenal work integrating um, Alexa, and now, as of yesterday, Google Assistant into the Xbox. Um, Encourage you to check out what they're doing. Go to www.microsoft.com to learn more. We are thrilled to be joined by a phenomenal guest today, Peter Durlach of Nuance. Peter Durlach of Nuance. I got it right a uh, second time around. Peter, say hello. Hey, Bradley. How are you? I'm doing fine, Peter. Um, thank you for joining us on the show today. Take a minute. Tell everybody who you are, what you do, and what Nuance does. Yeah, thanks, Bradley, for that. And thanks for the invitation. So my name is Pete Durlach, and I run strategy and innovation at Nuance Healthcare. I've been with the company more or less since 2006, and I've been in the speech business since since the mid-'80s. Nuance is the leading provider of of speech-enabled clinical documentation for healthcare. We have over 500,000 physicians who use our technology every day which is about 60% of all physicians in the U.S. We also have thousands of nurses who use our technology. And we also have about 80% of all radiologists who use our technology inside of healthcare. And we are a big provider of virtual agent technology, not just in healthcare, but we have major businesses that run in the contact center and in the car. But you won't know them as nuance because you'll be talking to companies like FedEx, Delta, BMW, et cetera. So you'll be dealing with the brand, but not nuance. But those are all voice-based solutions across all of those vertical markets. No doubt y'all are a heavy hitter. I appreciate you giving me some of your time. Thanks for being part of the Voice of Healthcare Summit with us earlier this year, by the way. You did a phenomenal job. Um, With that, we'll get to the news. And a lot of it this week, um, story number one, the voicebot.ai story of the week. As I say every week on the show, uh, for years now, if you don't know what voicebot.ai is, stop the podcast, please <laughs> go look, open the browser, go look at it. Uh, you'll be glad that you did leading news and commentary site for the space. Amazon unloads. 16 new products announced at at the Seattle event that they just did this week. And this, they've done this a couple of years now. This is becoming a tradition for them. Uh, Incredible breadth of what they have announced this week. Peter, I want to ask you with your role in nuance and just your experience in the space, what is your reaction to seeing what Amazon has done this week in general before we get into some of the specifics. What, what's your take? What, how did it strike you? Yeah, I think, I think generally I mean, we're really excited about all the activity in voice. Um, for many of us who have been in the space for many decades, you know, it's great to see that it's really hitting the mainstream, not just with us, but with Amazon, Google, Microsoft, and the whole digital community around, around voice. Um, from our perspective, at the end of the day, though, we're a business-to-business provider, and one of the challenges with voice is, 
is it's a really cool thing to demo. It's a different thing to deploy at scale in large operations that people will trust. And so for us, you know, it's not just about launching a device or launching the technology, but how do you make it part of the everyday life of someone where they're willing to use it to either make them more efficient, more effective, or that they trust what they're doing is going to help make their life better. And so we're super excited about the momentum, but we're also cognizant that you have to really produce real value with this technology for it to really sort of generate the benefit that it can. So generally very positive, um, but the proof is in the pudding. Excellent. Yeah. And complete, complete agreement. And I think that this go around, you know, in, in previous versions of this event, we've gotten things like the echo buttons, which it seems like Amazon has struggled with figuring out where exactly those fit. We've got some different things that maybe haven't stuck. This one feels like they're moving the right direction, just my opinion. To you, um, and we'll start with uh, question 1A here. Actually, I'll ask you 1A and 1B at the same time. What did you think was the best or what stands out to you as having the most potential to be something of actual and tangible value to the marketplace, whether B2B or B2C? And then what do you think is the worst? It's like, you know, which one should they not have even bothered? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel qualified to say which one is the one that shouldn't be just, but, but I think from my perspective, you know, the, the, the technology that most appeals to me is, is not just the extension of the devices, but the extension of the capabilities of, of the underlying technology to do more sophisticated use cases. So I'll give you an example that's sort of a tangential answer to you. But in healthcare, there's a huge opportunity to leverage these devices to help take care of people in the home. People are sick, they're often lonely, they're not taking their medications, they don't understand what to do to take care of their health, they wanna ask for help from other people in the family. So I think these enabled devices to allow you to communicate with other people and a virtual assistant can really make a tremendous difference in the health of, of lots of people. So whether that's some next generation smart speaker, it's some specialized glasses, or it's the ability to mix virtual assistants so that you can ask for help from different specialized cases, I think those are all very positive. Which ones will actually take off? I've been wrong so many times. I, I don't feel qualified to say on the consumer side what is going to actually take off the most. I mean, clearly the smart speakers in general as a category have exploded. I think the Echo Frames are kind of interesting from a healthcare perspective. I remember when Amazon rolled out the look which yeah. the, the Echo Look is there. At first, it was invitation only, and then now I think anybody can get it. But that's their camera that you know uh, came out with a fashion use case where yep. it looks at you and it says, "Okay, oh, you know what you're wearing blows. You know, put something else <laughs> on <laughs> or whatever." And um, but it was obvious that that could have some profound healthcare use cases if they decided to go this that direction with it. Same thing for these frames. It's not hard to imagine, you know, both of us are wearing glasses right now. I've worn glasses almost my whole life. You know, it's not hard to imagine um, enhanced um, 
glasses, I guess is the words I'll use, where, you know, um, I can ask Alexa things in real time that have a healthcare impact, but then you even take it one step further down the road, maybe two or three years out, and it's sitting there looking at my plate in uh, Cheesecake Factory, and it's like, what are you doing? Or, <laughs> or whatever. Or it's looking at my pills that are sitting there saying, okay, these, these three are for Monday, and these two are for Tuesday, or whatever. Um, I, the frames and the, some of the wearables, I'm, I'm getting me sort of excited um, just from a healthcare healthcare potential. And, uh, and also let's not leave something else. Let's, let's not leave out the fact that by coming out with glasses to begin with, will help make it easier for other entrants to come into the market with glasses that maybe have particular niche functions or whatever. It'll just, it greases the skids in an interesting way. Yeah. I mean, as you, as you well know, Google came out with Google glass. I, I don't know now five or six years ago, uh, you know that was the first attempt at a very similar example, and I and that that hasn't done too well to date. But I think there, yeah, for sure there are opportunities. And I think um, what's powerful about what they're doing is because they have so much, so many resources, they can spread these uh, virtual assistant enabled devices in the consumer space. And if only three or four of them take off, that's okay. And that's and I think that's what they're trying to do is they're seeding these different kind of uh, devices that can be used for different things, and and the, the consumers are going to dis- decide which way they go. I do think though this issue of trust is is clearly non-trivial. I mean, as you know, the press in the last uh, what three six months on uh, do people really trust? talking to these consumer devices and do they trust that that stuff is really confidential when there's lots of examples where it's not. And so it's not just a device. It, it is this, this bigger idea of what problem am I solving and do I trust that this device is not penetrating my private world in some inappropriate way? That's what makes healthcare super interesting because Amazon, um, nothing in their DNA has anything to do with healthcare and they can make as many acquisitions as they want. But I think the, the hill to climb for trust in healthcare might be insurmountable. You know, they're, they're doing all this other, you know, they're doing this joint venture, um, you know, that's healthcare related, you know, Bezos and those two other guys, but um, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I agree with you. I think people generally trust Amazon, just most people, a lot of people, you know, some people don't, but in general, there's some trust with them that maybe doesn't exist for like a Facebook or maybe less so for like a Google, but healthcare is a different animal. And that's why I think the door is wide open for a lot of other players that specifically operate in the space to, to own it a little bit more. It'll be, it's an interesting space to watch. you you got, you got the bird's eye view on one of the more interesting sectors going on. Um, I, I completely agree with everything you just said. I want to I want to shift a little bit to something else that came out uh, during this event, and that's uh, that Amazon announced the first celebrity voice for Alexa with Samuel L. Jackson, and that sounds sort of like a gimmicky. It is sort of a gimmicky thing to do, but like many gimmicks. 
it could herald something greater. And I want to get your thoughts on if you paid any attention to that and do, in, in healthcare, do you see any potential applications for, um, you know, maybe celebrity doctors' voices being licensed, yeah. uh, Dr. Dr. Phil or something, or, or having, your actual doc, <laughs> having your actual doctor, um, you know, maybe have their voice to where um, they're not actually saying the words, but it's like AI generated. What, what's your take on something like that? Yeah, just to be clear, my comments before were, were not specifically directed at Amazon. It's more the consumer virtual assistance space. Sure. Um, so in healthcare, it's a completely different animal. I mean, basically, the market for, for voice in healthcare primarily today is on the delivering solutions to the care team. And that's where Nuance plays today, where trust is massively important. Secondly, the technology of the consumer virtual assistant is not good enough. They don't do the sophisticated medical dictation deeply integrated into the systems physicians use. So that technology uh, in the consumer space has not yet yet penetrated on the uh, care team side. Um, on, the, on, the, on the consumer side of healthcare, we're in the very early stages of, of voice really penetrating on a virtual assistant in that space. Because again, if you're a patient at home with your daughter and your daughter's having a, a, a challenge with some medical issue, how, how much confidence do you need to interact with an automated thing about the care of your daughter before you need to take to a human? And I think over time, people will trust that for certain things more, but you have to build that trust. That's very different than say, hey, play Alessia Cara on my virtual assistant or order a pizza. It's completely different. In terms of the voices, I think there's a big opportunity on the consumer side because it's kind of a cool thing to have your favorite voice, whether it's Samuel Jackson, a friend of yours. These have been in cars or Siri for a long, we do the same thing in our technology. On the clinical side, I think people are much less interested in, in, I don't know if I'd say call it a gimmick, but this kind of very superficial thing. What they want is they want good physicians to spend more time with them and help take care of their loved ones. It's a much deeper kind of uh, interaction than this, this pure consumer thing. So I think those voices are really slick, but they'll play much more in the, the personal side of it, not, not in healthcare. So to put a button on Amazon's announcements this week, you're maybe give us a, a, well, you can do it however you want. Give us a grade, give us a, um, give us a grade A to F for what you see Amazon doing in the marketplace to push things forward. And it can be healthcare oriented or it can just be in general. Yeah, so for I think in the general, I think they get a very good grade. I don't know what the letter should be, but I mean, they have played a major role along with folks like us, Google and others on pushing voice forward as a mainstream stream interface technology. So I think this announcement is very much in the positive direction for that. I think for healthcare, it doesn't really move the needle that much, in my opinion. Cool. Okay. 
So story number two is an interesting one, and it's sort of Google's blogosphere reaction to the Amazon event. Nine to five Google. Sometimes I wish Google Assistant hardware was as chaotic as Amazon's. And then sort of the money quote uh, out of here is Amazon's willing to try anything. And that was sort of stated uh, positively. Peter, my question for you. So everything we just talked about, and I, I could have called this one E if I wanted to, but with everything we just talked about with Amazon, do you view it as important for Google to um, hold serve with Amazon and do this like experimentation across all these different types of hardware? Or do you view it more as an opportunity for Google to differentiate themselves by digging in deep on more perhaps meaningful um, hardware that they could come out with and maybe not as much breadth, but more depth? How do, how, what do you yeah. think Google ought to do in response to Amazon? Well, again, I you know take all my comments with a grain of salt because I'm not I'm not clarifying that I should be telling Google what they should do, but I think the battlefront is very clear. Google and Amazon specifically are fighting for the endpoints. They're fighting for the endpoints, whether that is an Echo, a Google Home, your fridge, your glasses, uh, your 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 microwave. That, you know, it doesn't matter what 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 they want to do and what the battle for is who has the largest number of access points to their cloud. That's all these guys are trying to do, because if they get the front end, they control the experience and then they can route you to the places they make money. Search, buy stuff on Amazon Prime, dot, dot, dot. So this is what the this is what the battle is about, and the way they're doing that is with devices and a set of services that people can consume in third-party devices that are not branded by Google or Amazon. So I think to win in that market, you for sure have to have a service offering because you can't control every device. Amazon and Google are not going to suddenly dominate the refrigerator business. Okay. So that's a requirement. And then two on the hardware side, because so much of the battle is through the smart speaker. I think Google needs to keep up with those example devices, because if they lose, if a client picks an Amazon piece of hardware, Google's out of that stream. And so now you're dependent as Google on what Amazon decides to do with that request that's coming into their endpoint. So the whole battle is the endpoints. Just you personally, do you perceive Amazon and Google to be on equal footing with trust? You, know, you talked about trust a couple of times. And I think that trust is incredibly important. Do you view just you personally, you don't have to speak for nuance. You personally, Amazon, Google, same, different, you know, is yeah. one ahead of the others uh, about the same? Again, for me, personally, sure, they're very similar. They, I, I, and I use both of them. I'm a huge Prime customer. I have a bunch of, I use Google every day. So I have a ton of respect for both companies. But I think the, myself and the average consumer, 
in this i'm talking about in the voice in the voice area which is what we're talking about not prime not search i have real questions around what's happening with my data 100 <clears throat> percent. interesting yeah i um i always refer to um on this show i think it was season two we had um Keisha Williams, who's an Alexa champion, which is Amazon's designation for somebody who does cool stuff with Alexa that they want to recognize. And she, um, she blew me away by saying that, um, you know, she works with her daughters to develop Alexa skills. Uh, she has all of these de- different Echo devices in her house. And at the end of each and every single day, she unplugs them all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> it was it was good it was in, it, interesting because here's somebody who knows the company super well um and who's rec- been recognized by the company who still does that and uh i thought that was eye-opening and it just speaks to your point about there being a lot of work to do um with trust uh, even now so that's well taken story number three apply through work at mcdonald's by applying through alexa or google assistant this is interesting. So basically what you can do is go to Alexa or Google Assistant and say, Alexa, help me get a job at McDonald's. And it starts this whole thing, which leads to you applying, finding out what jobs are available at nearby McDonald's and then applying for them conversationally. So this is kind of wild. I want to get your, your take on this. And um, if you think this is, um, you know, just some sort of one-off thing, or if you think this, this, uh, this has legs to maybe be applied to other industries. No, I think it's really interesting um, because basically what they're replacing in a way is going on a website in the old days, looking at the ads or signing up for some career site, right, that matches you or provides listing. And to me, they're putting on this much more accessible conversational front end to mapping people to jobs in, in this case. So I think that whether that specific example will, will work, I don't know. But I think the idea of turning kind of mainstream information retrieval or mapping like that is a great use case. Because it's very doable technically. And if I'm sitting at home and want to look for some type of thing, that's something that could be done. And I, I can, again, the only concern I have is if I'm giving social security number dot, dot, dot through that interface, am I sure that's not going to go somewhere? But I think the basic use case is quite interesting. I have a uh, I have a vivid memory of the uh, the first job I worked at after business school, um, where the human resources department left multiple people's executive sensitive information just sitting out <laughs> <laughs> near the printer, and uh, that was a uh, a bad episode uh, for them for for everyone involved with that, um, and. Uh, you know, it's not the worst thing I've ever heard of to get rid of like what I guess what amounts to like the first HR screen, you know, a pre-screen or whatever right. um, through voice. Um, you know, and even if the data does get, you know, in my cynical view, I guess, even if the data does get compromised, like 
there's, there's other people who can help make that happen too. <laughs> For sure. No, no, I'm, I, I am far from claiming that the alternatives are, are completely cyber proof, quote unquote, too. Sure. Um, it's, it's, it's just that there's a difference when your voice is recorded. It just feels different and it lasts. Like sure. it's out there in the, it's out there in the, we've, we see this all the time with the hot mic problem. Right. So that's, what's different. Like it's, it's, if you wrote something down, it got taken, but you, your own personal voice with you, I just, my own reaction and people that I deal with are, are more sense. I have friends of mine that are older that mentioned your, your Alexa champion that turns the thing. They will not turn the device on at home during private conversations because they're just paranoid. And I think it's gone too far, but then you see these stories about the mechanical Turks correcting things to improve the AI and you and you, and, and then that spreads and everybody thinks that's happening everywhere on every interaction, which it's not. No, you're right. I mean, who's to say, um, we live in an interesting time. I mean, who's yeah. to say, um, uh, when we look back five to 10 years from now, um, we're obviously voice assistants and conversational AI will be much more deeply ingrained, um, in what we're doing than it is right now. It'll be interesting to see if, if some subset permanently moves away from that idea. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'll just give you another example in healthcare, just because I'm, I'm, that's kind of where I live. Sure. So in healthcare, we have a solution called ambient clinical intelligence, which uses a custom-built, effectively smart speaker and deep AI to allow a patient, a physician, to interact in a conversation in the exam room, like when you go see your doctor, and automatically take that colloquial conversation that has multiple speakers and automatically produce a clinical note that uses different language that was described in the conversation. Incredibly complex technology solves a big problem in healthcare that the big three don't do. The difference on the data side is this is incredibly personal. Imagine you're talking about your own health system, health condition, sorry, in front of a physician. We're recording that whole thing. Okay. The reason we can do that is two things is we built a lot of trust in that environment. That data is not going anywhere else. Secondly, we're governed by HIPAA, which is a law that says if we violate certain rules, they're big problems <laughs> for us. And third is we're, we're capturing that data to actually improve the patient experience because now the physician doesn't have to turn their back and type on the computer into the system. They can focus 100% for the value of the patient. So we're recording in order to improve that whole dynamic, not take the data and then use it to monetize something else. It's a completely different world. So that's just the world when I come from, I'm super sensitive as you can tell, I'm sure, <laughs> around sure. the around the data in these real kind of uh, mission critical applications of voice versus also interesting but different these more uh, low key, if you will, 
less intense uh, applications where if you get them wrong, the downside's not so so bad. If that makes is that helpful at all? Uh, it's very helpful. Yeah, I mean, this is why you know it's it's so valuable to get perspectives such as people like yours who have been around the space a long time. I mean, it's, you, you got to take this stuff seriously, and I and I do feel like Amazon and, and Google take it seriously, but there's um the point that you make is a good one where um incorporating voice into the healthcare clinical environment has immediate and obvious uh pros for the healthcare recipient for the patient right um whereas um some other things that go on with voice they may not have any pros at all, uh, but whatever they whatever they are, you know, may not be so obvious um, to the end user. I think that's a that's a great point, um, and this dovetails pretty well with story number four from Motley Fool. Amazon takes another big step into healthcare. Yeah. This is all about these clinics. Um, you know, they're they're launching these clinics, and and anything I say about this would be wrong. I'm going to turn this over to you. Your 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 thoughts on this article and what Amazon's doing. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, again, I think Amazon's doing some very creative things. You you mentioned earlier, you didn't mention my name, but their their uh, no joint venture with uh, Berkshire Hathaway and Jay Haven, you know, is really trying to figure out how to tack some of the cost quality problems in healthcare, which are, are real. And that really has nothing necessarily to do with voice. It's a broader issue. But these virtual clinics, is also attacking similar problems, which is it's hard to deliver high quality care effectively and efficiently if everyone has to go to the hospital. It's just not sustainable for lots of reasons, convenience, access, cost, everything. So I think pushing the boundary on these more virtual environments for care is quite powerful. And there's a lot of other companies that are pushing forward for this. I think Amazon also has a huge workforce and as a self-insured employer, I'm sure has massive healthcare costs that they're trying to manage. So I think it's interesting that they're using their own employee base and to innovate on this space. And I think um, there are many others doing this and anything we can do to help drive up the quality and lower the cost of healthcare, given that right now in the U.S., we spend about 18% of GDP on healthcare. It's unsustainable. Our quality measures are about half the rate of our industrialized peers. And all of the public healthcare system, Medicare, are going to run out of money on the current trajectory. So we need to fix something. And I think some of the leaders like Amazon and others need to help push this forward. It's interesting when you think about Amazon, not to go down a rabbit hole with this, but, you know, in the 80s, they probably would have been broken up. You know, they're just such a gargantuan behemoth. And there's several companies that probably would have been broken up. And it sort of feels like um, we're moving that direction politically. And frankly, probably no matter who the candidate is um, or who wins in 2020, uh, there's growing pressure um, to break these companies up. I, I think that healthcare is an interesting counter argument 
to do that because if you if you break them up, I mean, Amazon's about to do some interesting stuff, and they're doing it already. And as you noted, they're using their employees as sort of the test bed, and they're using their their vast resources. You break them up, and all of a sudden, they're less able to do this sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's a potential downside of it. I, I think it's just super interesting um, with the regulatory environment, uh, the political environment, um, seeing what Amazon's trying to do, and and they're they're kind of you know putting themselves out there. You know, they may fail miserably, but um, it's interesting to see them experiment. For someone who has no experience in this industry, interesting to see that they're sort of putting their, putting their toes into the into the kiddie pool and seeing what happens. Yeah, I, I think I think um, again, I'm no expert in antitrust plus policy. I mean, clearly, there's tremendous focus on the big tech companies on the amount of power they have, and you know, um, I think there's some legitimate concerns. There on the on the healthcare side, healthcare needs some accelerated innovation and disruption. But it's not just technology. It, this is the challenge with healthcare. It's not just a tech problem. The biggest problem with, with healthcare is not technology. It's the way the whole payment system are. And so, unless you align payment and incentives, which can only be done by the government, you can't totally fix. Healthcare. Now, it's not that tech can't help do some stuff. It can, but it's broader than that. But I'm in favor of more innovation, whether it's Amazon, Microsoft. There's a ton of innovation happening inside healthcare with the incumbents, uh, too, or, or more traditional healthcare players, because everyone sees this opportunity to use the change in technology and care delivery to redefine how care is delivered and what the cost model is. So uh, I don't think that the innovation is bad. I think it spurs everybody. The competition is good. I think the bigger antitrust fears are in other parts of the, other parts of the ecosystem, but I, but I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, I don't either. It's just sort of interesting to note sort of divergent uh, thought processes where, you know, nobody likes to see every time someone gets sick, uh, someone feeling like they need to do a GoFundMe, <laughs> you know, right. um, but, you know, and, and nobody likes to see big tech getting as big as it is, but, you know, I don't know. That's why they don't pay me for these answers. <laughs> well, it's, if it was a simple problem, it would have been solved a long time ago. Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to watch. And I appreciate your commentary on, on that. Story number five, we like to end with something interesting, something sort of wacky, uh, and that's what we got this week. Does your smart speaker hold a martini glass? (laughs) So so this article from geek.com is about um, a company, Hendrix, purveyor of unusual gin, according to this article, that has launched a smart speaker. Um, And strangely, they're not the first to do this. Jim Beam, a couple of years ago, uh, launched a smart speaker, and I forget, I think they called it, I think they called the voice assistant Jim, <laughs> but I forget what they called the actual thing. It was like a decanter-looking thing, right. um, but uh, I guess this is a sign of the times. What, what is your reaction to seeing something like this, Peter? 
Um, how does how does a story as as uh, unusual as this strike you? Well, I'd prefer if they made one for a Moscow mule, perfect personally. <laughs> so that's my first reaction. That's my first reaction. Um, you know, we live in a wacky world. I mean, I mean, I mean, the the, the interesting thing is an exciting thing back to one of your earlier questions around Google competing with Amazon. This goes back to that um, service of, of, of a voice assistant that can be baked into a third-party piece of device. So you explode the innovation, you kind of the Internet of Things thing. And so a, a thing that can hold your martini glass is just another endpoint on, on this thing. So I think it's great the more creative devices that are made – I think that the market will decide what ones have the, you know, the traction. Um, I think if they could make a smart speaker, they could also make the martini. That also would be a plus and just hold it. That may be harder to accomplish, but, but maybe they're working on that. You know, stuff like this, it, it just, um, it's a sign of the sign of the times. It's uh, you know, companies are clearly looking at, what's going on with voice. And they're saying, they're saying a couple of things. They're saying, number one, we can play in that space and we can, we can throw our hat in there. And I mean, Amazon can throw its hat in healthcare. You know, our alcohol company can throw its hat in the smart speaker ring. You know, why not? Um, right. I think it's, it, it, it's an interesting signal from companies that have nothing to do with technology on how they're looking at the space. But also, I think it's an interesting commentary, too. As you and I both know, countless companies um, of all different types are looking at voice, you know, conversational AI, and, and they're all saying to themselves, what, it, what is it that we need to be doing? It's a given, it's a given that we need to be doing something. Um, so the answer, the question becomes what? Um, I think to, to me, when I read something like this, it just sort of underscores those things. Right. Thank you very much, Peter, for sharing not just your time, but your expertise and your experience with not just me, but the audience as well. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you very much, brother. I appreciate time. For This Week in Voice, reporting remotely, we'll be back uh, in Nashville next week. Thank you for listening and watching. If you're watching on YouTube, until next time.